0: Well, I want you to go back on a very traumatic moment in Pastor Wesley's life. You guys ready? You guys ready to relive one of my worst nightmares? Yeah. Well, too bad, because we're going to go down that road, okay? This going to be a little counseling session between you and I. I'm kind of joking, but not really. See, when I was little, um, smaller than you guys and younger than you guys, um, I was at the store. And I remember going to the store all the time. And in this particular store, there was a restaurant, a restaurant with the big, Golden arches. You guys know what restaurant I'm talking about, right? With the big golden arches. You guys, you know, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? Okay, so you guys got it. So that restaurant was inside of this larger store, and I remember telling my mother I really, really want to go to that restaurant. I really, really want to go. And what made that restaurant even cooler was that they had a, a bench outside of. Their big golden arch, you guys, I'm talking about McDonald's, okay? You guys with me? It's McDonald's. And so outside of the big golden arches, they had a bench with Ronald McDonald sitting there, legs crossed, arm out, so you could come and sit down and take a picture with him. I thought that was the coolest thing. Looking back now, I'm like, it's a little sus. Like, I don't know if I should be sitting next to this clown trying to put his arm around me. Anyways. Anyways. and so I really wanted to go. And my mom said, no, we're going to have time for that. We've we got food at home, whatever. Um, and I didn't like that answer. You guys, you guys ever get an answer from your parents, you're like, I don't like that. And you want to do something different all the time, right? And um, so I did what any reasonable six or seven-year-old would do. I just walked off away from my parents. I'm going to go find this restaurant on my own. And so... I leave the side of my parents, and next thing I know, I don't know how much time had quite passed, but I was lost. I got lost in the store. And when you're this tall, all of the, it wasn't Walmart, actually, all the aisles are like massive, okay? They look like huge, giant, like walls, and it's a maze in there, and I was lost. So I don't remember how much time had passed, but I knew that I was lost at this moment when i Went up to grab the hand of my mother, and it wasn't the hand of my mother. Yeah, I started to panic, started to freak out a little bit. And I don't know if I started to cry hysterically, which is probably what I did. If I stayed calm, cool, and collected, probably not. But one thing led to another, and I ended up at the security office. They phoned over the PA system. Can someone come get this annoying little redhead from our office? No, Obviously, they didn't really say that. Can someone come get this kid? So my, my parents finally they, they came back and they got me reluctantly. Of course now I'm just playing. Um, they came and found me. But can you imagine with me in that second when you reach up to grab the hand of your loving parent and it's not your parent? Can you imagine the heart throb? Can you imagine just that sinking feeling of, oh no, this is bad? And <laughs> no, some of you guys are like, I wish that would happen, not just playing. Um, that was not my most favorite point of my childhood. It's very scary. Um, I, I joke about it, and I look back, and, and, you know, we kind of laugh at it. But it's kind, of, it's, it's kind of a scary moment. And it was very filled with uncertainty. I didn't really know, like, what was happening. I didn't really even know, like, how much time had passed by the time I actually got reunited with my parents. It just wasn't a good deal. And I know that many of you are not like me, and you would never run off in a superstore and get lost and grab the hand of some stranger and call them mama. Like, you wouldn't do that, okay? You wouldn't do that. Because you're a reasonable reasonable teenager, and you all are way more mature uh, than I was at, at your age, of course. But I would bet, I would bet that there's still times, even now, that you panic a little bit. That things don't always go exactly how you want them to. That the circumstances don't always line up in your favor. And so what do we do in those moments? What do we do when things are uncertain? What do we do when we start to panic a little bit? What do we do when the chaos starts to creep in around us? And we're going to read a story tonight. We're looking at scripture tonight about a guy who kind of had the chaos all around him. And we pick up the, the Christmas story, really, in Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse number 18. And we're going to talk about a guy named Joseph. Many of you guys know Joseph. Joseph was, um, he was the one to be married uh, to Mary who would give birth to our Lord and Savior. Um, but there's a little bit of backstory that we got to talk about, isn't there? It's a little bit more complicated than just, you know, Joseph and Mary, and then there was Jesus, and Jesus died on the cross for Joseph went through some stuff. And so we're going to read about that tonight. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 1, starting at verse 18. And it reads like this. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was uh, engaged, was a righteous man. Everyone say righteous he was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. And a few things stand out to me. First off, it says that Jesus, or that Jesus that Joseph was a righteous man. What does it mean to be righteous? Well, in this description, um, Joseph was considered to be a, a good guy. I mean, he was the right guy. He was the guy that ladies y- you wanted. He's a man of character, man of integrity. He, 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 was, he, was, he was faithful. He, he, he was righteous. He was a good guy. But, but notice, notice though, notice, though, he's kind of put in a bad situation. Not because of anything he did, but because of something that he does not quite understand. And another thing I, I, I want you to kind of notice is, is what he decides to do. So we read here that he, being Joseph, decided to break the engagement quietly. What does that mean? Well, he had chosen in his mind and his heart that he was going to, um, he was not going to marry Mary because what was the, I mean, what what do you think is going through his head? Joseph is thinking, Mary is pregnant. She must have cheated on me. that, That just makes, that just makes sense. And so Joseph, being a good guy, he says, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to break up with her essentially quietly. Why? Why is that important? Because in this culture, the consequences for cheating on someone that you were engaged with would have been death. Yeah, that's pretty, it's kind of extreme, but that was the consequence. And so Joseph, Joseph says, you know what, I don't want that to happen to her. We're going we're to break up the engagement quietly. Okay, that's just the kind of guy that Joseph was. We move on to verse 20, though. And in verse 20, it says that as he considered this, So this is Joseph. He's thinking about this. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid. Say, afraid. "Afraid." It says, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son. And you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. You see, Joseph is... Like, he's got to be all over the place. Think of the roller coaster of emotions here. Joseph goes from being, I'm engaged. I have someone to spend the rest of my life with. To, oh no, Mary cheated on me. How could she do this? Who would she do this with? Why, oh why? And then an angel pops out and says, do not be afraid. Are you kidding me? It's an angel of the Lord. Of course I'm going to be afraid. And then he's like, listen, don't be afraid and also... Mary didn't cheat on you, but the Father is God, okay? It's the Holy Spirit. Some you don't understand, but like you can't understand it, but I need you to accept it. And also, not only that, he's going to be the Savior of the world. No pressure. Don't screw this up, all right? Your son is going to be perfect. Don't mess up, all right? I mean, can you guys just imagine what is going through Joseph's mind right now? He is just going through this, and what does the angel tell him not to do? He says, do not be afraid. And I believe Joseph, from then on, was not afraid. He wasn't afraid in the fact that he was, um, he had fear of messing up. Does that make sense? So when we're afraid of, of someone, we don't want to be around them. When we're afraid of a, a bully or we're afraid of a situation, we, 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 like, shy away from it. But now what Joseph has He doesn't have a fear of a situation, but he has a fear of the Lord. And so a fear of the Lord means he has the respect of the Lord. And he's going to be obedient to him. Okay? We move to verse 22. Verse 22 says that all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet, which was the prophet Isaiah, by the way. Um, Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So every time we sing um, about Emmanuel this Christmas season, it means God with us. There you go. And when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. What's the main point? The main point is this, is that Joseph, Joseph obeys the Lord. He obeys the Lord. In all of this, in this roller coaster, in this ups and downs, things that don't, Quite makes sense, if if I'm being honest, this whole situation is just it's just confusing. And yet the Lord speaks to Joseph, and Joseph obeys. He's a man of integrity, he's a man of character, he's a man that he he he's the kind of person that all of us should strive to be. Joseph obeys the Lord. But it doesn't stop there. There's actually kind of a, a little bit of a twist, and we jump over to Luke chapter 2. Okay, Luke chapter 2 and verse 4 says. This is the same story, but in a, in a different gospel. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judah. Everyone say Bethlehem. That's a little more difficult. Right, let's try it again. Bethlehem. Beautiful. Bethlehem in Judea. David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee, and he took with him Mary to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child, You see, Bethlehem, from where they were at, would have been roughly a 70-mile journey. How many of you guys walked 70 miles this week? Anybody walked 70 miles this week? Okay, so, so maybe a few of you. Okay. Um, it's not something we're all doing. So this would have been a little, a little difficult. Okay. And if you can imagine, if you can imagine walking 70 miles with no music to listen to, with no movies to watch, no audiobooks, no podcasts, no, no nothing. You just gotta like talk to the people around you. How terrible is that? Now I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Okay, but imagine that. That's not that terrible. But imagine, I I can't really imagine this because it's impossible for me. But imagine being pregnant and having to go seventy miles. Tay's giving me the thumbs down. She wouldn't, she wouldn't vote for it, okay? Not at all. Not at all. And I want you to just think about Joseph's situation. And he is trying to get his very pregnant wife, who is now expecting a child. This is the description that the Gospel of Luke gives. Her. Listen, just a word of advice um, for any of you, especially the guys. You never refer to a woman as, um, you look like you're very pregnant. You never say that, ever, okay, that's just bad news. And this is what the description we get, that she was expecting a child. And another translation said that she was very pregnant, okay, she's about to give birth. And Mary is is in an uncomfortable spot, and we read that she actually is about to go into labor. We read that in verse 6, go to verse 6, verse 6 through 7. Says, and while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in uh, him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. So, what just happened? They're making this long journey. They get to all the hotels in town. They're all booked up. They didn't have a reservation, and so Mary is going into labor. And they find a stable, a place housing the animals and Mary gives birth and what does she lay the savior of the world in is it on a throne on a mighty kingdom uh, I don't think of another word for throne something of authority no in a manger what's a manger a manger is where the animals would come and eat kind of gross it's kind of icky is the word i think of it's not something that you would expect and so once you can be, go back to Joseph, I want you to get his perspective on this. He goes through all of this, he's up his ups and downs. He goes on this long journey. Mary gives birth in a stable. He is told by the angel that this is going to be the Messiah to the world. And they're in there. They lay him in the manger. And think about how he's handled this entire situation. The tension, the chaos, the uncertainty. How does Joseph react? Well, I think scripture shows us a couple things on what Joseph did that we can really learn from tonight. The first one is that Joseph, if you're taking notes, I want you to write these down, that Joseph didn't let tension ruin the relationship. He didn't let tension ruin the relationship. What is tension? Tension is something becomes, becomes really like tight and stressful. Okay, the tension is like the stakes are high. Okay. If I if I have a fiance who has cheated on me, the consequence is death. So I don't want that to happen. So I'm actually going to stay calm. I'm be a righteous man and I'm gonna break up with her quietly. No, actually the angel is telling me that I'm supposed to stay with her and she's gonna give birth to the Messiah. It was tense stakes were high. And what did Joseph do? Joseph doesn't let that tension ruin the relationship. Secondly, I want you to write this down. Joseph didn't let fear decide his actions. Joseph wasn't afraid of the situation. Joseph didn't let his fear dictate what he did. Rather, Joseph let his fear of God push him into obedience. What does fear of God mean? Fear of God means to have a respect for the authority of God. And so that respect, that faith, that trust caused Joseph to obey what God had commanded him. And so Joseph didn't let fear decide his actions. Thirdly, I want you to write this down. Joseph didn't let chaos ruin the moment. Long road trip. They can't find a place to stay in. Mary's going into labor. She gives birth in a stable, lays Emmanuel into a manger. Chaotic situation. And yet Joseph doesn't lose his cool. Joseph doesn't get all crazy. Instead, he cherishes the moment. So what does this mean for us? Well, I think there's a a few things that we can really take away from this. Uh, even throughout this Christmas season, even leaving here tonight for the rest of this week, that I think we can learn about what it means to let Jesus give us peace in the chaos. First thing is this, that we should know where our peace comes from. This is important. You need to know where your peace comes from. And I think about a New Testament character that we talk about a lot, and that is the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul wrote a lot of the New Testament, okay, and so the Apostle Paul, um, he writes in the book of 2 Corinthians a list of things that he has endured throughout his time as a Christian. And it's kind of crazy. Look at it. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24, he says, Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Means he was whipped. Three times I was beaten with rods. Self-explanatory. Once I was stoned, meaning they threw rocks at him, not that he was doing drugs. Three times I was shipwrecked. His boat crashed. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea, lost at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people. That's messed up. I have faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers. That's kind of twisted. But are... But are not, I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. That's a list. That's a list. And if we were to think about our own lives as Christians and the persecution we've endured because of it, it wouldn't even come close to that. It wouldn't even come close. And so I say we need to know where your peace comes from because he also writes in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 16, he says this, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you his peace at all times and in every situation. The Lord be with you all. You see, Paul was able to endure all of that. Why? Because he was some big, strong, macho man? No. Because he was some tough guy? No. He was able to endure that because he can do all things through Christ who gives him strength. He can be content even in the worst of situations. He can find joy. He can find peace. Why? Because the Lord of peace was with him. That's why. And that's a reminder that we all need even throughout the rest of this week is that even as we go through difficulty in life, we need to know where our peace comes from. Our peace doesn't come from the things around us. Our peace doesn't come from the friends that we have, or from the sports we play, or anything like that. Our peace comes from the Lord. Our peace comes from our relationship with God. Secondly, I would say that we need to resolve not to add to the chaos. Resolve not to add to the chaos. What does that mean? It means to choose choose not to add to the craziness. Decide that in your heart before it actually happens. The difference oftentimes between those who are successful between those who are not is the successful have chosen ahead of time what they're going to do. And so if you will choose now that when the craziness of life starts to act up, that you're not going to add to it. Things are going to look a little bit different. But if you wait and you're just like, no, I'm just not going to worry about any of that kind of stuff. And then those hard times come, that hard decision comes up, what's going to happen? Well, you're going to fail. Because you're going to fall under the pressure. I know. I've been there. So resolve not to add to the chaos. Be like Joseph. Joseph was calm, cool, and collected. He, he, he kept things together. Even when things weren't going the way he wanted to, he kept things together. Even when the people around him were starting to, to, to maybe lose it or to, to do things that, that didn't make sense, he stayed collected. Third and finally, I would encourage you to do this to tell someone about the peace that you have. You're probably thinking, you oh, know, Pastor Wes, I'm a pretty peaceful individual. I don't worry about the stuff around me. That's great. That's amazing. And if that's you as a middle schooler, you're the exception. So why don't you tell the people around you at school, in your family, the people you're around at Christmas time, tell them why you have that peace. Tell them why you have that joy. Because people are looking for that. They're looking for peace. And so I'm going to invite the band to come up. And as they get ready to lead us another song of worship, um, I want us all to, to think about one thing. Every head bowed, every eye closed. No one's looking around. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want you to think about one person that you could tell between now and Sunday about the peace you have with Jesus. Just the one person. Who is that one name that's coming to your mind right now? God is inviting you into this challenge to tell that person about the peace that Jesus has given you. The salvation that Jesus offers through his death on the cross. The peace that he gives you through his resurrection from the grave, proving that he truly is God. Will you share that peace with that individual in the next couple days? If God is inviting you. Will you accept the challenge? Dear God, we thank you for tonight. And God, we thank you for the peace that you give us among the chaos. God, I pray for these students that you, God, just right now, you have laid names on their minds and on their hearts. God, you have given them a challenge, you have invited them into this global mission to share the peace that your son offers. God, I pray they would accept that. That every student in here, every adult in here, that they would go to that one person and they would tell them what Jesus has done for them. God, I thank you for what you've done for me. You died on the cross for my sins. God, that I was a sinner, but you